Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And this is No Limits, a Mitch Rab podcast. Today we're going to introduce you to some of our inspirations, why we wanted to do this podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about Mitch Rapp, as well as the two men who deserve all the credit, Vince Flynn and Kyle Mills. And I just wanted to put in a future spoiler alert. Most of our future episodes will be book reviews. We're going to break down each book into a three-part series. And in between, we'll be releasing bonus episodes covering other content in the Mitch Rapp universe. Those may contain spoilers as we discuss the series as a whole. And so if you're a new reader, be sure to uh, skip the bonus episodes and come back to them later. Once you have more of the Mitch Rapp saga under your belt, they may have some spoiler information. For this episode, we're going to keep it mostly general, not reveal too many specific spoilers um, about the storylines and the character arcs over the entire course of the 18 books. I think uh, it's interesting that... Mike actually approached me about doing this podcast because of the situation that's going on. And we actually reconnected our friend group from, from college. And we started talking about the latest Vince Finn book and the latest Brad Thor books. And, and then Mike went and read the latest book. Well, lethal agent, lethal agent and not to spoil it, but the, the plot has a very, it's relevant, very relevant. To it's quite relevant. Time. And then we just got started talking on like one of these Zoom calls we were having about who, who's read this one, who's read that one. And it re-sparked my interest in the story as well as, well as Mike's. Yeah, I remember after that Zoom call and since college, you know, we were buddies back in college. We, there have been long periods, six months, maybe sometimes almost a year where we maybe haven't heard from each other. And uh, since we started these Zoom calls and talking about Vince Flynn, uh, we've been in contact just about every day. So. Uh, I like that. I like how yeah. podcasts bring bringing people together. Yeah, it's been it's been nice to, <laughs> to not only talk about uh, Mitch Rapp and, and Vince Flynn novels with you, but um, also just to reconnect with with you and some of my other friends, Tom, Tom, and it's interesting. Tom Smith is the one who, or I shouldn't say his name. Uh, Tom, yeah, how do how did you get into these stories? Like, where was or what was the first memory you have of Mitch Rapp entering your life? <laughs> Well, so we were living in DC and I had wanted to, I just finished reading the Hunger Games and I wanted another series to read. So I remember asking around roommates and both Tom and other Tom were like, oh, you should read these books by Vince Flynn or these books by Brad Thor. I was like, sure, I'll, g I'll give it a go. And then the next day, I think Tom went home that weekend and then on Monday he came back with this giant shopping like <laughs> or, uh, paper shopping bag full of the first uh you know all the Vince Flynn novels that he had purchased in paperback and we're like start with start with this one he uh filled the Honda Pilot with all the uh the Vince Flynn books that yeah. red Honda Pilot yeah <laughs> he says start think, with this one and I think uh do you remember which one it was so he actually, he gave me both the Brad Thor novel, novels and the Vince Flynn novels, and he told me to start with uh, Lions of Lucerne, which um, oh, that's a good first, one. the first in the uh, Scott Harvath series. That's a good so one. I started reading those, and I didn't get too far, but I really liked them, but I, I didn't get too far, and then I had to give them back when we moved out. And then I really took a pause on reading for a long time until uh, five years later when I started my PhD up here in, in New York. 
I had a lot of time on my hands, so I wanted to get into reading. And I had remembered that I liked these novels. And so I got a library card and I just started plowing through. I would go back and forth between, uh, you know, either Brad Thor or Vince Flynn, depending on which ones I could get digitally from the library through like their loan system. And so I, I consumed both entire series in about a year. Yeah, the, the library systems, they've been pretty generous with this genre, the whole uh, spy political thriller. I feel like um, a lot of the Vince Flynn books I found there, and actually the next one we're reading, I'm probably going to do an audiobook through the library. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I think, I think my beginnings go back a little earlier. Um, and this is a, a strange memory, and I don't know why it's so vivid. And if you know me at all, I'm pretty forgetful. <laughs> As yeah. any listeners are going to pick up on pretty soon. Um, but for some reason, this one is vivid. I, I, I can't, I don't know why. Maybe because I just like the book so much, but it was Memorial Day. Um, Ooh, great book. The book. I don't know if the day was Memorial Day. Probably wasn't. But the book, uh, I saw it in Barnes and Noble and my family had this routine and it was one of my, one of the many idiosyncrasies of my father. He would follow around my mom and I at Barnes and Noble continually badgering us are you done yet ready to check out <laughs> he was over our shoulder every minute and anything you picked off the shelf even if you're just reading the dust jacket he was right there saying we're getting it taking it out of your hands and he just he just wanted to give us the world um well i remember that i remember memorial day had just come out um it was sitting there as one of those front and center you know highlight best new fiction and 2004, Memorial Day was published. So was I only 14 or 15 at the time? Um, so just as a teenager, I, I saw this book. I thought the cover was cool. Being honest, it had this uh, CIA seal and it had this nice uh, light blue. And maybe what got me at the time was the Dan Brown quote on the cover. <laughs> nice. I'm guessing 2004, being a teenager, it was probably coming off a Dan Brown kick. Have you read those? Yes, those are also. I also consumed. I consumed a lot of books in my first year of my PhD here, and <laughs> I believe it. Consumed all of the Dan Brown novels along with these. So I'm I'm thinking that must have been. I think just the the cool shiny cover, <laughs> um, and it must have been this Dan Brown quote because I think Da Vinci Code had just come out. Yeah, that would have been around the same time. I think around the same time. I think a few years before. I remember after Da Vinci Code, I immediately picked up the other ones, his older ones, uh, Deception Point. Uh, and a couple others. And so I think seeing his name on the cover really hooked me in, but I picked it up and before I could even read it, my dad yanks it out of my hand says, we're getting it. That's so I, I picked it up. I was hooked. I remember reading it at probably in a day or two. I was just all about it at the time. And I, I, I went right ahead and picked up all the other ones beforehand and probably through high school finished all the ones that were currently out at the time. Wow. Yeah. I wish that I had um, read these earlier. They're like, they're really good. I, I enjoy them. I, I, yeah. My father-in-law is really big into this kind of stuff. And so it's something that we've been yeah. able to connect with and, and talk about. Although he doesn't quite remember. He's read them a long time ago. And so he, he can't, you know, it's kind of sometimes the, the storylines. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we can't yep. always, I've, I've just read it. So I know all the minutiae details. Yep. And he's like, oh, is, does this happen in that one? Or does that happen in that one? But yeah, it's been a nice connecting point. And I know a yeah. lot of that are, you know, our age and, to have read these yeah yeah i think there's something about them um 
depending on your demographics and, and, and you know, maybe your political affiliations. But I, th I think there's something gripping about these. And that speaks to a little later on when we get to Vince Flynn and in, in his own words, uh, what he believes is the, the compelling features of these books or what draws in such a wide audience base. So if you listeners have any origin stories, how you got into Mitch Rapp, uh, if you remember anything about your first uh, Vince Flynn novel, uh, let us know at the end of the episode, we'll be giving you our email address and our Twitter account. And we'd love to hear how'd you get into the series? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be really great. If we could, we could hear from you guys. Um, always interested to see how people get into any, any series. So. All right. Well, you want to hear something really bad. I thought we're doing a podcast on Mitch Rapp. Where do we have to get our baseline information from? But Wikipedia. Yeah, you go to Wikipedia. So, always. Always. Like any, I'm a teacher. So like any uh, 11 or 12 year old in my class, I ask them to do something. They go right there. So I'm, a, I'm a researcher. And that's the first thing I do is go to Wikipedia. <laughs> like, you know, what is COVID-19? Oh, gosh. And you do work in biology, right? You I know. It, okay. It's gotten a lot better. You know? <laughs> I think back in the day, teachers like you would be like, you can't use Wikipedia as a source. And I, don't think, <laughs> I still don't think that's possible, but it's gotten better. Hey, so tell me what you think. This is the first uh, description that comes up for who I'm going to say is a much more dynamic, much more extreme character than what we're given. But you tell me. According to Wikipedia, Rap is a counterterrorism operative employed first unofficially, then officially by the CIA. The primary focus of the character is thwarting foreign terrorist attacks on the United States and he is presented as an aggressive operative who is willing to take measures that are more extreme than might be considered commonly acceptable. Wow. <laughs> Does that sanitize Mitch Rapp at all? Yeah. Or is that just me? Yeah, it's very, it's very sanitized uh, portrayal of Mitch Rapp. Uh, he's such, such a complex character. And yeah. He's evolved so much over the years that that doesn't do him any justice. But... That's I, think that's, for you. I think that's the draw. You know, you could read one Mitch Rapp novel or heck, even a chapter of him just doing some something completely off the wall and you could love it. But then if you are a real fan and you stick it out, that arc he goes through over the whole course of the series, but even uh, at the climax of his life and the, the devastating things he goes through, I think seeing Rapp over a long period of time, and particularly American Assassin, given us uh, his origin story as a younger man, I think once you look at the character as a whole, he is just extraordinarily complete in the way that Vince Flynn covers um, and explores uh, his life. It, it almost becomes like a psychodrama, you know, a psychoanalysis of, of what he's doing. And you wouldn't necessarily get that full picture from just one book. You might just think, oh, um, he's just some extreme guy willing to do whatever it takes. But the way that plays out in all the different scenarios over the course of these books is beyond is absolutely beyond what, what your first impression might be. Right. I, I think that it's interesting to take Mitch as a character and to take, you know, a couple of the other key characters like Irene Kennedy or Thomas Stansfield or um, Scott Coleman or Stan Hurley and to look at them across, you know, the entire series. It's really mm -hmm. interesting to see how both Kyle and Vince have developed them. But yeah, you're right. If you were to just take pick up one book, and these 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 books are generally written pretty well that you can pick up at any point. Yes, and read it. You might not pick up on the little minutia details that they'll put in for mm -hmm. people like us who are reading the whole story. But mm -hmm. in general, you know, you can pick up any book and read it, and it's it's succinct. I think like 
a lot of authors in this sort of genre try to do that. Yeah. Now, at the same time, um, I think Vince Flynn was really motivated by a very simple, and, and this does come through in, in the writing and the characters, a very simple, almost black and white view of, I, well, I'll say America, but I guess you could expand that to even just morality in the sense of right and wrong. I mean, here's, here's a quote from Vince Flynn during an interview. And I think it sums up not just his personal philosophy going into these books, but you'll see how expertly that philosophy has infused everything Mitch Rapp does and sees in the world. And so Flynn said, the key to these books is that the villains are terrorists and the secondary villains are politicians. The other secret to it is that the good guys are the military, CIA, and law enforcement. Most people in America get that. Do you think he's right? And that's, that's the draw of these books and a character like rap. Is it just that most people in America get there's good and there's bad? Yeah, I, I think so. What's interesting to me about Mitch Rapp and, and this idea of black or white is Mitch almost seems to be, I've never been able to fully guess what Mitch's political affiliation is. He just knows that this is wrong and this yeah. is and that's what I, I want to do. You know, it's apolitical, this kind of stuff that he tries mm -hmm. to do. Um, and a lot of times that's what gets either him in trouble or is a driving force with some of like the second, like you said, the secondary villains, the, the politicians, mm -hmm. because, you know, oftentimes in society, politics come into things where politics don't need to be, you know, it's like, yeah. this is wrong. This needs to be, you know, avenged for or taken care of. And I find that interesting about how they've written it, how you know some of the things that Mitch I think supports or uh, you, you could take as his political background is like he could lean either way at, at some some of the mm -hmm. points. I mean, I think you know Vince obviously is a Republican um, or you know conservative leading, and he does he does characterize himself as a conservative, but with some. I think that's spot on though, because with Mitch Rapp the actual political spectrum doesn't matter so much as this right or wrong that can be superimposed on the political spectrum wherever you are. But if the political spectrum is holding you back, preventing you or preventing the country from doing something that is considered right or something that would eliminate evil, I feel like that breaks the categories of politics. That Vince Flynn's political positions on things become secondary to Mitch Rapp's desire for justice, Mitch Rapp's desire for eradicating evil. And it's almost like it doesn't matter where something may fall on the political spectrum. We can obviously interpret it a certain way, but to him, it's more about right and wrong every time. And I think that quote, the good guys are the military, the CIA and law enforcement very clearly shows uh, both Flynn and Rapp's ideologies here. Yeah, I, definitely. I would agree. So while we're talking about Vince Flynn, I thought we would look at who he was, his background, and see if that helps us figure out the inspiration he had in writing these books. And it's a pretty interesting story. Uh, Vince was born in 1966 in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I didn't know this, and, I, and there's no way I would have picked up on it, but it turns out he had dyslexia and uh, struggled through most of his childhood and even his adult life with reading and writing. He eventually... Uh, accepted an aviation slot with the Marine Corps, but was uh, medically discharged 
for prior medical history involving concussions and convulsive seizures. And it was only at that point that he began thinking seriously about writing his own book. He took a gamble, uh, quit his current job and moved to Colorado. And it was there that he started writing what would eventually come together as Term Limits, his first novel. He couldn't get traction early on, So in 1997, he decided to self-publish, going around to various bookstores, trying to sell copies. Shortly after that, what became published, self-published as Term Limits, would be picked up. It would become the number one best-selling book in the Twin Cities, and he'd land a two-book deal with Pocket Books and uh, Simon Schuster. So pretty lucky he did that and overcame the adversity, uh, first um, struggling with dyslexia through his childhood, and then also struggling with the discharge from the Marine Corps. And uh, I think that two book deal, this next one is where we get in the trap. Um, Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big deal. Um, That's a pretty, it's a pretty cool story about this guy, you know, with dyslexia and that obviously probably affects his, his writing um, and like how, you know, hard that must've been like, that's uh, reading that um, and thinking about how successful he's come and, having to like self publish and go from bookstore to bookstore and get them to, you know, sell these himself like that. That's a pretty cool story. It really gives hope to a lot of, a lot of uh, expiring authors, I guess. But as a, as a middle school teacher, I definitely have had students struggling through dyslexia and it's not just, and and any other sort of uh, challenges, but it's not just the academic consequences of that. It's the social stigma that comes with it. And so to see Vince, um, thrive really become what I would consider one of the greatest pop fiction or um, modern day pop entertainment kind of genre become one of the finest at that craft is just is pretty inspiring yeah no definitely now he he wouldn't as as you most likely know he wouldn't get to finish the entire series and tell us the um, how Mitch Rapp's life and story wraps up Uh, he did pass away at the young age of 47 in 2013 after a long time battle with prostate cancer. Thankfully though, you know, his memory is so clearly preserved in the, these characters and these books. He's left, he's left quite a legacy. Definitely. I thought it was interesting that he came up with the, the name Mitch Rapp from a colleague, a friend in, in college. Right. And he didn't have the same name. He, I think he had the same last name and he wanted to make it, he wanted to make a monosyllabic, first name so that's that's how he he started with mitch and then took the last name rap that's right it does roll off pretty nice mitch oh, rap it's, it's a very very nice thing um yeah he would I, he would end I, up though over the course of uh these books sell 15 million copies just during his lifetime and i'm sure plenty millions more after that since 2013 and a lot of them have been translated into several different languages across the world so pretty successful <laughs> Yeah, I, I found uh, I found my note on on what he says. He says he, he he would say that he's a fiscally conservative and socially liberal. So I like that. I I, I like that. Yeah, I think again, um, while a lot of that does come through in the writing, it's almost Mitch Rapp's right and wrong supersedes any sort of political categories to what the situation is and making a call right or wrong, black and white in the moment, and acting on it regardless of different ways to categorize situations yeah. mitch is mitch is very neutral and has a very you know there's no gray with mitch <laughs> there's no gray there's no blurred lines <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then doing some research on uh, 
Kyle Mills, I, I found it really interesting. I, I wanted to, while we were doing this, um, doing research for this episode, I wanted to, I didn't really know why. I knew that Vince had died of prostate cancer and that, that Kyle Mills had picked up for him, but I wanted, really wanted to dive into like, find it, see if I could find out why this, ha- how he got picked or who he was, because I've never read any other Kyle Mills of, of his other works. But before picking up Mitch Rapp and the Vince Flynn storyline, you know, he had published a couple different things. Most notably, he had an FBI agent series based off of the character of Mark Beeman. And so he grew up as an FBI kid. His dad was in the FBI. His dad was also in, in charge of Interpol. And so he, he moved around traveling a lot. And so he drew from his knowledge of being in that environment, you know, uh, I'm sure he has a lot of connections from that being in that environment, having his dad being so, so high up in a law enforcement agency, uh, as well as connections with the FBI, it probably lends you to talk intelligently about the subject matter. It's interesting that his career almost kind of parallels Vince's. They both published their, the, their first books in 1997, uh, as well as like he got positive feedback from a lot of thriller fans. And uh, on his website, he, he stated that he was very fascinated with the dark side of politics, as well as how that was connected to the intelligence community. I guess Vince obviously is doing the same thing. And I saw another interesting tidbit that overlap between the two is that, or over, sorry, overlap between him and Mitch, the character is that, you know, one of the things that drives Mitch is the downing of the Pan Am Lockerbie flight Mm. in Scotland and spoiler alert, um, jump ahead 15 seconds. If you don't want to know this, (laughs) (laughs) we won't give away Uh, everything. Not all the details. That is a key moment we learn in Mitch's life. Yeah. He loses his, um, at the time college sweetheart at Syracuse university in that flight. And that really is a defining action in his life. And so apparently his dad was the lead agent on that terrorist attack. Like they were, this living, is Kyle Mills. Yeah. Kyle his Mills, father. Wow. his father, they were stationed in London. And so he remembers him, his dad getting the call and at, they were like at a restaurant eating dinner for his college graduation actually. And wow. he said, that was the last time I saw my dad for a couple months. Wow. So I thought that was kind of a cool overlap between like the character Mitch and the author. It kind of is like, was Kyle Mills destined to pick up this character that Vince <laughs> Flynn had been writing this character? Who that, that terrorist attack was such a seminal part of his life. And yeah. years later, it's what more than almost two decades later than the Pan Am attacks in, in the late eighties. Then 2013 Kyle Mills would get to pick up the story of a similar character impacted by that event. Jeez, yeah, that, that's wild. That is wild. Yeah, and it's interesting. He was working. He had lived in Maryland. He had moved to Wyoming, where he still currently lives. He really likes rock climbing. Never really did anything creative with, with anything until his, his wife told him that, you know, you should do something like this. And that's what led him to write his first book, which is Rising Phoenix. And that's, that's what I mentioned is that, that series that follows that Mark Beam and the FBI agent. With the I'm FBI. Actually, yeah, I'm actually really intrigued to maybe read. There's five books in that series. Might, might want to dive into that. Him getting that spark to do something creative. It's yeah. kind of like us in this podcast during the quarantine. 
Yeah, and then he he's also been tabbed to write for a Ludlum series that is not based yes. on Jason Bourne, but was a series that followed a little bit more scientific genre in still like thriller military aspects. But so he wrote three books in that. And then I listened to an interview with this guy called Alan Peterson, who does, he has a meet the thriller podcast and he interviews mm. a bunch of thriller authors. And yes, uh, Kyle Mills mentions that he got a call from the Finn family and that they were like, do you want to, do you want to pick this up? Obviously he had, I'm sure people who have read his stuff have read Vince's stuff. And so they knew what he was capable of. They knew what they were getting. Right. And they were, what I thought that was really cool is that he was like, Vince had three pages written for, for the, <laughs> survivor. the survivor. Yeah. That's, that's the for book the during survivor. the transition. Yeah. And so he said that the first, he was one fascinated by this because he lays out that he is a very, the way he writes books is he writes almost like a 40,000 word outline, which is a huge outline, right? So essentially the whole book is written by the time the outline's done. And then it's just all about fleshing it out. And he just assumed that most authors are like that. You know, he finds out, he's like, okay, I'll write these books. Let me get Vince's materials. Let me, let me. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, well, they have a box of stuff at his office, you know, you can go get it. And they found out he had like three pages, not, not even a full <laughs> three pages, two and a half pages of the survivor written. And apparently Vince, the way Vince wrote was nothing the way Kyle writes. He sat down and he wrote. And so it, what was interesting is that transition, right, to Survivor from The Last Man. And a lot of times in the series, there'll be continuations where the one, the one book after the other will have a lot of major plot points that will continue on, right? And that just happened to be one of these continuations, like these two chapters. And so because of that element, he wanted to stay as close to what Mitch, uh, sorry, not what Mitch, <laughs> what, what Vince uh, had established in The Last Man. And so he wanted to make the, it as seamless as possible. And then once he finished that, he could really grow and evolve the character and, and move on to some different things. And I think we've seen that with the last couple mm -hmm. of novels. Um, Kyle Mills sort of adding his, his spin on it. I, I remember reading one of the, um, you know, they had the quotes on the back. Uh, or like inter uh, interviews with an author in one of the novels he talks about how he thinks he add he's a little adds a little more humor in his writing and i would i would tend to agree to that i think that, that mitch gets a little bit more funnier in these last couple novels than what what vince had added in the you know beginning novels but yeah he's also probably just getting a little bit more um, dejected or more cynical towards the later stages of his career as well Oh yeah, definitely. So definitely. We'll, the almost we'll sarcastic humor too. might come through. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say I I don't know if I necessarily picked up on that. And like I said, I started reading these as a teenager. So keep on me as we as we do these book reviews to come back to that. I'm really curious to see if I also notice that shift. It'll be interesting to to as we're going along to see if we can pick up that. And he did say he mentioned that he wrote the first chapter to the survivor and he but he put in the three pages that Vince had written. I was wondering, do you, do you know if he kept to 100% those, those words and those pages? Or think, at least tried to keep the tone of them? I think that's what he did. And he tried to have, can you pick out, like he told people, oh, oh. three of these pages are written by Vince. Wow. Can you pick them out? 
and he really studied wow. his structure. And that's what I'm saying. Like the first book, The Survivor, he tried to be, you know, almost like replicate because he yep. said like his writing style was very different than, mm-hmm. than what Vince had done. And so that first novel, he wanted to make it as seamless as possible, you know, sort of hook the readers, be like, hey, I'm going to take this over. I can do, you know, just as good a job. Yep. I'm going to honor this character. And then after that, you can sort of, you know, you know do whatever. But I, I think uh, I'm going to, you know, we'll get there in time, but I think that it's it hasn't the quality hasn't gone down. If, no, not I at all. Enjoy Kyle Mills, you know. Just I think we have to I we like have to remember story. to do that when yeah. we get to the survivor. We, you got we've got to see if we can pick out those three pages or if we can notice it. I, I think cool. Kyle Mills done has done a fantastic job. Obviously, I think we'd all agree the right person for the job. Even in his own words, his goal with the survivor is to quote stick very closely to Vince's style and try to capture Mitch exactly as he did. And with such a different personal writing style, I think we can largely say Mills was successful um, in doing that. I would Um, definitely agree. Yeah, so that's an overview of the main characters in our journey on this podcast. Mitch Rapp, of course, but also the two authors we will be leaning heavily on for inspiration, Vince Flynn and Kyle Mills. We'd love to hear your origin stories. How did you get into the series? What stories do you have being a fan, being a rap head? And so if you want to reach out to us, please email us at MitchRapPod at gmail.com and tweet us using the Twitter handle at MitchRapPod. And remember, our next few episodes are going to be a book review of Term Limits, Vince Flynn's first novel, his only novel before the creation of Mitch Rapp though Term Limits does introduce a number of key characters who are going to be with us throughout the entire series. Our next episode, part one of Term Limits, will be chapters one through the end of chapter 14. Part two, which will come out shortly after that, we will read chapters 15 through the end of chapter 29. And our third part in the series, will finish the book reviewing chapter 30 all the way to the end. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Disclaimer, guys, we are just simply two fans offering a discussion and reviews of some of our favorite books and characters. This podcast is not officially affiliated with Vince Flynn, Kyle Mills, or Simon & Schuster. But thank you to them for bringing us this wonderful world of Mitch Rapp.